You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Excuse me, I have a little frog in my throat. Thanks for staying with us uh, as we continue our show this morning. Just finished up a really great conversation with Jonathan Spade who is a convert to the faith. So we talked a little bit about his story and how the Lord just really laid on him the missionary heart and how he continues to serve our church and working for the Fellowship of Catholic University Students Focus and helping other missionaries as well. So if you missed any of that segment, really want to encourage you to check out the podcast later. And uh, if the Lord lays it on your heart at the end of that to even support a focused missionary near you, uh, Really consider that, because as, uh, as I was mentioning at the end of that interview, that uh, one of the largest mission fields that we have in the United States is the college and university campus. So, one thing to consider. All right, we are going to move on to our next segment now. We've got Christy Untersayer. Did I say that right, Christy? Yes, you did. <laughs> Excellent. And we've got her joining us this morning, talking about something that's really close to my heart right now, because I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and so we are like neck deep in beginning to raise children up in the faith. So thank you, Christy, for being on with us this morning. You're welcome. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a mother and wife. I have six children. I live in Buxton, North Dakota, so kind of between Grand Forks and Fargo. Um, And I work as our church DRE as a part of my service to the church and um, I homeschool my six children, so uh, catechesis and books and raising Catholic children is pretty much the heart of what I do right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, so we have a two-year-old and a six-month-old, and our two-year-old is just absolutely in love with books and loves reading books. And so wonderful. We uh, we we have some saint books, uh, like it goes through the Asian saints and the American saints and the the, the uh, Spanish saints and different things like that. But one of the things that can be challenging is knowing, you know, which books are good uh, and and have the full truth, right? Uh, there's lots of books yep. out there on the faith. And so we want to make sure that the books that we do receive are ones that are teaching the fullness of the, the Catholic faith um, if they, they claim to be Catholic. And then the other thing is just making sure that it's easily accessible, right? We don't want to talk about transubstantiation with a two-year-old or even five-year-old at times. Um, it's not something that they're probably going to understand. But, you know, like my two-year-old, she does understand, like, this is Jesus. He went up on the cross for us. He died for us so that we can live with him. So let's just dive there a little bit. You know, how did you get into... The books and uh, and homeschooling and, and the catechesis and making sure that the resources that you did have uh, were promoting the faith to your children. Um, well, I guess it started. I was a, a education student. I have a degree in teaching from Illinois State University, and um, when I was student teaching, I just realized uh, you could be the best teacher in the world, and you're not going to be able to teach children as they deserve in mm. the way that our classrooms are set up right now Yeah, um, in the public schools. So I just kind of dove in from there, learning about how to teach, how to catechize, how to bring the faith into um, the classroom or, you know, how to work 
with families in, in religious education programs, things like that. I spent time as a focused missionary, so I learned a lot of handing on the face in that way for college students, and then it transferred, you know, from my degree, I could transfer that down to the lower levels, which was um, where I ended up in catechesis after that. Um, and just realizing with homeschooling my own children, the importance of of materials that they use, like books can speak to them louder than anything else, really, um, if we allow them to, and if they're done well. Um, so using that in our religious ed program and using that for my homeschooling, whether it's history or religion or, you know, any subject can be really brought into into the education through books and then also can still have that underlying Christian moral value, even if it's not specifically Christian or specifically catechetical, you know. Yeah. Um, so... So talk about introducing books to children at a young age. Um, I actually wasn't, I, I had to read, right, in school and stuff like that, but reading wasn't really a big thing. And so I even struggle mm-hmm. sometimes to, to read books today. Just ask my wife who's listening right now. Um, so <laughs> talk about like just the introduction of, of reading and material at even like two years old uh, to begin to build that mm-hmm. foundation in their heart. Yeah, so obviously picture books are the easiest place to start with two-year-olds or little little kids, even earlier than two. Um, they love to look at the pictures and simple words that you can um, just engage them with. Uh, so that is the biggest thing. But we have found in our family that even reading aloud to children from chapter books at young ages, we started I, probably when my son was about two, and every night we just read uh, read aloud. My husband does it if he's here, and then if he's gone because he travels, then I'll do it. Um, and even the youngest children can be engaged in listening to chapter books because they've had it from such a young age. A lot of people think, oh, we can't do chapter books because our kids are too young. But actually that really develops a desire to read on your own. Um, it engages the imagination more. Um, and it allows for younger children to be brought up in this culture of books, even if they're not totally grasping it, it's just laying that foundation. Um, so those are the two big things that we've done and that I try to encourage even in our catechesis or in our schools, um, that reading aloud to those children in the classroom or reading picture books to go along with the lesson um, really does bring home the lesson more fully. Yeah. I'd like to touch a little more on the imagination because I have several nieces and nephews who are not in front of a screen all the time. And then I have other nieces and nephews who are, and their capacity for imagination and thinking outside of the box is vastly different. Those who are more into books and reading and who, you know, boys and girls, uh, who are, are spending time are some of the most creative children that I've ever seen in my life. Yes, yeah, I definitely have seen that as well. Um, those books just bring out the imagination. They draw the imagination up to things beyond us because we're reading about things that we wouldn't know about otherwise. I mean, you're, culturally, you can read about different cultures, you can read about different situations. They draw your imagination up, and and that's so important because eventually... We need to be able to imagine eternal things, yeah. uh, the glories of God. And if we can't imagine just practical, practical things here on earth, we're not going to be able to imagine 
the glories of God, and we're not going to be imagined. It's going to affect our prayer. It's going to be, affect our understanding of heaven. All of those things um, are based in that one simple little imagination, and the books really draw you into that more than anything else. Yeah, and that was the next question I was act- I was actually going to ask was how that relates back to the faith because there really is a level of faith that comes in when looking mm-hmm. at our faith as Catholics. Yeah, absolutely. You have to be able to imagine most of our faith because it's a mystery and it's uh, it's we do have the things that we touch and see and smell that that helps our imagination, but ultimately we can't see God. So we need to be able to imagine him. We can't always hear him specifically, so we need to be able to imagine him speaking to us. Um, so that really does make a big difference. The other thing that I love about books, uh, and, and specifically saint books, right, is there are a lot of people to quote-unquote look up to in the world, whether you want your children to look up to them or not. But when you bring in the mm-hmm. saints and you bring in the lives of the saints and how they live their lives and just heroic virtue, like those are the people that I want my children to look up to. I want them to be their heroes, right? Over some singer or actor or whatever, whoever out there. And this is really a great opportunity to get an introduction into the lives of the saints. Now, we don't have to understand all of the details about their lives when, when we're young children, but just recognizing that, you know, we have the communion of saints. These people were on earth and they were living and now they're they're up in heaven and they're praying for us. Can you just dive into that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think part of our culture is that we, we try to find things that our kids can relate to. And yeah. um, in one way, that's a good thing, but in modern culture, we don't take it any farther. It's like oh, well, you're struggling with this issue, so then we're going to read about somebody who struggled with that, but they don't actually grow in virtue or they don't strive for something greater. Um, but with the saints, it's you're seeing some of the hardest lives <laughs> that have been lived, yeah. um, and they're lived for the glory of God. They're, they're taking it to that next level where they're showing you virtue, um, and kids can really grasp that understanding. I know my sister, I remember, she's not a Christian, and... Um, she was talking about her daughter reading hard stories about, um, I don't know, different world events or things and how they they were kind of holding back and because she was, was so sensitive to it. And I just thought, well, my kids have read about the martyrs, you know. <laughs> they've, they've learned from an early age that people were beheaded and tortured, and, and it's not scary to them because it's for the glory of God, and they know that heaven is the end goal. You know, so they can receive that, like, okay, this is hard, it's, it's suffering, but we can get to the end goal through it. You know, we can get to that glory of heaven. So they, they hold it a lot more lightly, and they're able to overcome those simple things in their own life more often by relating it to these saints. Right, yeah, absolutely. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Christy Untersayer about raising our children Catholic and and the power of books and being able to unpack and unveil the faith. We do have to head to a break here, so we're going to continue this discussion. And one of the things I want to pick up after the break, Christy, is just talking about the influential capacity of books, both good and bad. And I think we can see in the world around us examples of both. So we're going to pick that up when Real Presence Live continues. So stay with us. We will be right back. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Conversion and Obedience Faith requires conversion, and that conversion is an act of obedience toward a reality which precedes me and which does not originate from me. For Christians, this prior reality is not an it, but a he, or even better, a you. It is Christ, the Word made flesh. He is the new beginning of our thought. He is the new eye which bursts open the limits of subjectivity and the boundaries dividing subject from object, thus enabling me to say, it is no longer I who live. Conversion does not lead into a private relationship with Jesus, which in reality would be another form of mere monologue. This is the sole guarantee that the obedience which we owe to the truth is concrete. Only the concrete God can be something other than a new projection of one's own self. Following in Christ's footsteps is the only way of losing oneself which attains the desired goal. The one who became flesh has remained flesh. He is concrete. Obedience to the church is the concreteness of our obedience. The church is that new and greater subject in which past and present, subject and object come into contact. The church is our contemporaneity with Christ. There is no other. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Thanks for standing with us on Real Presence Live here on the RPR Network. I'm your host this morning, Brandon Clark, and continuing the discussion with Christy Untersayer about raising our children in the faith and good Catholic materials and books that they can rely on to unpack and unveil that faith aspect. So, Christy, thanks for staying with us. You're welcome. So, one of the things that I wanted to touch on um, before we dive in more into Bethlehem Books itself is just the the power to influence through written literature. And we can see it in the culture around us. There's kind of a war in public schools with libraries and the books and the material that are in libraries. And they can be, to to a detrimental standpoint, they can be very influential in teaching our kids wrong ideologies and leading our kids away from the faith. Can you just uh, touch on this aspect? Yes, um, I definitely have seen this. I worked for a library um, when I was first married, and I just remember going through the, especially the young adult section in the library, and I just, my heart would break because Mm. of the books that were in there. They're just so immoral, and if they weren't immoral, they were definitely hopeless. Um, They just, they wanted to reach students on that emotional level, and that's all they left. It's just emotion, emotional mess. 
Um, they don't, a lot of times they don't uh, require any growth or encourage any virtue or any, anything like that. It's just like an emotional um, high that they want to give. And it's so, it's so unfortunate because our children are, are formed by these things. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, we find really good books that can lead to growth in a way that is not preachy or, you know, the parent is trying to tell, teach the child these virtues, but then to see it in a book, it's a, a different way to receive it, and they can actually receive it better than, you know, just following rules or whatever. Um, so we, we really do see the importance of good Christian-based materials. It doesn't mean they all have to be about Jesus. It doesn't mean they have to be only catechetical, but just like that Christian worldview, Christian culture coming through, where good triumphs over evil, where growth is important, where not everything is celebrated because not everything's worth celebrating, you know, um, things like that. Right, yeah, exactly. So we've talked about the beauty of books and their formative uh, capabilities. We've talked about the challenges and and even the the detrimental aspects of certain books. Let's talk about kind of a, a solution to both of those things, where we can get that good literature to form our children in the faith and not have to worry about what kind of messages that they're going to be getting. And, and one of these organizations is mm-hmm. Bethlehem Books. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yes. Yes. So Bethlehem Books is a small publishing company it's out of North Dakota. Um, you can't get any closer to Canada than they are. <laughs> and uh, they came from a group, they're called the Benedictine Community of, or the Bethlehem Community of Benedictine Oblates. It's a lay group that lives together in community. And um, they homeschooled their children, and in their course of homeschooling for, you know, 30 years, they came across a lot of books. And one thing they realized is that some of these good Christian culture-based books were being left behind. Mm. Um, They tell the story about one woman who went to the library with her children, and she picked out a book that she thought was going to be really good, and the librarian said, oh, oh, you don't want to let them read that book. That book, the lady has five children. You can't let them read that book. Oh, my goodness. And that just shocked her um, that we would be such a culture of, of death, basically. Um, so they started what they call a rescue mission to reprint good books that have solid moral values and that kind of um, form the Christian culture. So they started with a book called The Story of Rolf and the Viking Bell, and that was in 1994, so almost 30 years ago. And they, uh, that story in particular is about the Vikings right after their conversion to Christianity, and um, it's a historical fiction book. Uh, it's a great, again, great history book, but it also has those elements of Christian culture. And they've done many, many books since then. I don't know exactly how many, but quite a few. Um, and all of them have this underlying virtue and... Um, most of them lead to education as well. They have a lot of historical fiction um, that really draws on the children's imagination and helps them to enter into history and see it from a Christian perspective. And what's nice about these books, too, is it doesn't have to be, like, in-your-faith Catholic or in-your-faith 
Christian. It can be, right. like you said, those virtues that are told throughout the story, that are, that are present throughout the story. And I, I think that's really important because we want to build that virtuous lifestyle. And I, I think I look at it this way, like if I talk to my kids about some sort of virtue or living virtuously, right, they're going to believe me first and foremost, but then they're going to go and they're going to check what I'm saying based on how other people live and what other people say. Mm -hmm. And if other people are saying the exact same thing, now mom and dad have a solid foundation to stand on. I think it could be a similar thing in books, right? If we're having these conversations with our children about virtuous living and they're seeing it played out in the books and the literature, it kind of serves as a confirmation for that, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's giving them another outside source that's showing this is true, this is good, like we can see it in somewhere else. Um, My kids enjoy one of uh, Bethlehem Books' most famous authors is Hilda von Stockholm, and my kids really enjoy her books. She has a, she's a Christian convert, um, she, or a Catholic convert. She was raised with no faith at all and eventually came into the Catholic Church. Um, and she doesn't preach in her books at all, uh, but there's a Catholic underlying element where they, you know, they'll mention that we went to Mass, or, mm. uh, you know, there's one little, an Irish story where the little boy finds this, meets this orphan and is trying to help her and she's kind of a troublemaker, and he's always stopping to pray for her to Mother Mary because he doesn't know what to do with her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so he realizes, like, how much she needs prayers at, by the end of the book. So yeah. um, things like that, that kind of stick out. They're very subtle, but it's, it's normal life for those of us who are trying to raise our kids that way. So seeing that in a book is very encouraging because it's, it's what we're trying to do, and most people aren't doing that in our world today. So um, it's, a, it's a really important aspect of just making them feel that faith is the underlying thing. It's the foundation of everything. Right, yeah, absolutely. Everything, everything gets bounced off our faith um, to, to see whether it's good or bad, and, and having that foundation is really important. I, I'm curious, so there's a lot of different books on the website um, I see 202, yeah. maybe there's more. How do they find these books? How do they know that these are the ones, these are the literary classics that they want to bring back and reprint? You know, that's a good question. It's kind of a miracle, I think. Uh, they're, they're constantly reading books. They have quite a storehouse of their own books. They have a number of libraries on their in their buildings um, and things that they've gone through. They're, they're just always digging um, for more for more books, and I know they're reviewed and kind of tossed back and forth for a while between the community members before they're decided upon. Um, so it's it's quite a process, but it's it's also the, I would say the Holy Spirit working through them because to find these is just a miracle. They're hard to find, obviously, because they're out of print and um, digging them up in all different kinds of places. So right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now the other question that I'm curious about is, how did you get involved with Bethlehem Books? How did I get involved with Bethlehem Books? That's a good question. Um, I was a, let's see, I was a Catholic missionary focused at the University of North Dakota, and there I met Father Jason Leffer, Ah. um, and he was connected with the Bethlehem community, and so he introduced me, and I remember staying up there for the first time I went. 
I stayed for a weekend and just kind of learned about the community. And they have books all over the place in their in their guest houses and everything. And I think it was a Hildemann Stockham book that I picked up and read in one night and didn't get any sleep because I was so <laughs> engaged in it. Uh, and I had not been a huge reader in in growing up, and I didn't know anything about history, but. I was engaged, and I learned so much from that one book that I thought, wow, I need to look more into this. So that's kind of where it all started. That's really neat. So if somebody listening right now wants to check out Bethlehem Books, maybe get some of their books, where should they go? There's a website, BethlehemBooks.com, and that has all of their their books on there. They also have audiobooks, um, uh, a handful of audiobooks on Audible. Hmm. Um, on the, on their website, they even have um, a magazine kind of, it's not really a magazine, but like a, a book called In Review, which okay. reviews many other books, too, not, not Bethlehem books, but other really good books for families. So that's another huge resource that they can get from the Bethlehem community. Um, but that would be the best place to be online. All right, so BethlehemBooks.com. Uh, we have about yep. a minute left here. What are some recommendations for books that you would have for parents who have younger kids and parents who maybe have that uh, coming into teenager years kids? Yeah, so for younger kids, um, from the Bethlehem books, I really enjoy the Once Upon a Time Saint series by Ethel Plotsky. Those The kids love those stories. They're kind of like read-aloud short saint stories. Um they don't have a ton of younger books. They have a couple picture books. One of my favorites is um, Saint, uh, I just blanked on the name of it, Saint Nicholas. The Miracle of Saint Nicholas, which is a beautiful story about Christmas in Russia. Um, so those are some of their younger books. Obviously, all of their books are great for um, for teenagers, older kids who are learning history, my kids enjoy, like I said, the uh, Von Stockham books. Um, I have, as far as other books outside of Bethlehem books, uh, we're big on the Elizabeth Enright Melendi Quartet, and uh, we're reading that right now. So <laughs> Sounds great. Well, Christy, thanks so much for being on with us and talking about books and uh, just the wonderful aspects that come with them and then also Bethlehem Books. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. And to our listeners, again, you can visit BethlehemBooks.com to look through all the book selections. All right, we do have to head to a break. When we return, we're going to be talking about men's ministry, something that's very close to my heart and getting men involved in their faith and active in their faith to be good fathers, husbands, and leaders in their parishes. We'll dive into that when we return.